We are The Table and we are so glad that you have taken time out of your week to join us. Here at The Table, it is our hope to move you forward in life and faith over the course of this message. At The Table, we do things just a bit differently. We pose questions in real time and we wanna give you some time to wrestle with those questions as well. Again, thanks for joining us and we hope that this message moves you forward. Because the church is tempted to be so much like the world. But Jesus died so that we could be different than the world. Jesus prayed that, that in this world, not to change the world, but to change us so that we would be fine in a world that rejects him. So we're going to be talking all month about what that looks like in society, what that looks like at the table. And I'm going to give you a familiar passage that some of you have already heard many, many times. But the Lord gave me something that I thought was very useful. I'll be reading from John chapter 4. And this is the story about Jesus meeting the woman at the well. How many of you have heard this passage? Ooh, good. So I'm going to say some things, and everybody should be like, amen, right on. Go, you should know exactly what I'm talking about as I share it with you today. So I'm going to be in John 4. I'm going to start in verse number 6 and go down to 10. And then I'm going to pick up in verse number 13. Uh, I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. And the Word of God says this. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because the disciples had gone to the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with the Samaritans. And she said, Jesus, you are a Jew. And I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? And Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, You would ask me, and I would give you living water. Now, let's go down to 13. Because now the lady is saying, well, wait a minute. If you have living water, but you're here, you have no rope, you have no bucket, you have nothing to give me this living water, then how exactly did you think you were going to come about handing this to me? Like, I don't understand. She's looking at Jesus like, well, you came unprepared. Because you're saying that you got something to give me, but you have no way of getting it. So Jesus replies in verse number 13. He says this, anyone who drinks the water, who drinks this water will soon become, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh 
bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Now, you have to understand, this woman is thinking he's unprepared and he has something to give her and no way of giving it to her. And Jesus turns around and says, what I'm going to give you is already in you. Did you catch that? He says, it's already in you, and it becomes fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving eternal life. In other words, the very thing that Jesus has to give to us is already inside of us and can give us everything we need, and it's already there. She continues in verse number 16. She says, please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I will never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get the water. Jesus says, go and get your husband. She says, I don't have a husband, the woman replies. And Jesus says, you're right. You don't have a husband, for you have had five husbands. And you aren't even married to the man that you're living with right now. You certainly have spoke the truth. But there's a couple things that Jesus, Jesus is saying a mouthful here. Because he's willing to give something that she needs, does not know she needs, doesn't know she already possesses it, and then says, I know all your dirt. And I know everything about it, but you're still worthy of the gift that I have for you. So it seems like Jesus is making a case that we're going to try here today. church. I thought this was about Jesus. Well, it is about Jesus because Jesus is the head of, come on now. Jesus is the head of the church. And, and oftentimes, the church puts people on trial. Can I put it to you this way? The church can be real judgy. See, so I'm going to ask you today if you can help me with this. Do you promise to tell the truth? The whole truth? And nothing but the truth. So help you God. That's where you say yes. All right. So in that case, I need you to tell your neighbor, and I usually don't do this neighbor thing, but we're going to do it today. 
Tell your neighbor, save your judgment. Tell your other neighbor, save your judgment. And then I want you to tell yourself, self, you show our judgment. Now, huh? Say it one more time. Self, and say it this way: you show is judgment. See, because we need to understand a couple things. The head of the church was once a human walking around with other humans, and he knew weakness. See, we're going to talk about this. Jesus was the head of the church. Jesus was a human being. Jesus walked the earth. It says in this text that Jesus was tired. He was weary. He was beat down. He, he, it says he was hot. He, was, he needed a drink of water. This means that Jesus himself, we have to understand that Jesus knew what it was like to be exhausted, to be worn out, to have no energy, to be fatigued, to be tired of being tired. Jesus knew what that was like. He's sitting there in his exhaustion when this woman shows up. But he's not too proud in his weariness to ask for help. And the word of God says that in this moment, he's creating a culture that's sub that, that is changing what the social norm was at the time. Because here is the reality. She was there at noon to get her water because all the other women got their water early in the morning and didn't want to have nothing to do with her. She was going in secret because the society, based on her background or her promiscuity, that's when you got more than one. Because of her background, because of the company that she kept, because of the way that she did things, people wanted to stay away from her. Quite honestly, it was in poor company if you got caught spending time with her because they would assume. See, but even still, in the midst of what was culturally correct, Jesus finds it upon himself to create this culture of lovingness because what he has to give her is more important than the circumstance that she finds herself in. He knew that weariness and fatigue or anger and irritability could make you get this rude and mean and temperamental. You know how you are. You done had a long day at work and hear somebody come with their foolishness. You done work two doubles back to back. And here they are with their silly behavior, and they request, and they get mad at you when you ask them to pay back your $10. They say, it's only a funky $10. Well, it wasn't funky when you asked for the $10, but now all of a sudden it's funky. But this is how we do. This is, so we, we create these things where we make it okay to behave when we are not at our best selves. Can I tell you, Jesus knows what it's like that sometimes you're not always going to be thinking straight. But then you have to realize, okay, I'm not thinking straight in my flesh, but in the spirit, I need to be doing something different. Here we go, here we go. So if our attitudes, our fatigue, our weariness and all that can make us temperamental, my question to you, and remember, you said you, well, I kind of had to twist your arm to say you was going to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, but you did say it, though. 
So if those kinds of things can make you temperamental, then what is it that makes you judgmental? Not all at once. What is it that makes us judgmental? Oh, man, our own issue. Now we're talking. Can I put it to you like this? Your dirt, your ego, and your insecurities are some of the things that make you judgmental. Because not only do you get justified in how you feel in the moment, is that we somehow have to put people in a place that's less than us. Oh, yeah, I, yeah, it, well, I mean, I don't have it all figured out, but she got five. She had five husbands, though. <laughs> I mean, like, I mean, I know, I know, I, I know, I done did some stuff, but, like, did you know what he did? No. <laughs> because we have to find a way to cast some judgment. But here's what we see Jesus do. Despite how he felt, Jesus approached her with respect. Despite the social norm, he was offering her salvation. Why is this important? Why is this important? Because it was well within the social norm and it was well within the way that people did things that they turned their nose up and they avoided this woman. But Jesus saw fit that the thing that I have for her is greater than my embarrassment, is greater than what other people think, is greater than I need to help her understand her value to my father. Okay, here we go. Now remember, Jesus is the head of the church. See, all these people refuse to associate with this woman. Then the word tells us not only were they keeping a space from her, then you had this another knock against her, which was the fact that Samaritans and Jewish people, they didn't mix. They didn't even talk. And he's going to make himself, catch this, go down to her level and actually ask her for some help. This grubby person, he's going to take something and drink it from her. He don't know where her hand's been. And the, this kid with me. But she had a whole bunch of men, so she had. You following me? That part right there. See, Jesus knows her background and her situation, but he still shows love. See, Jesus was not interested in judging her past or even her present. Rather, all he wanted her to do was know him. That's what he wanted most. He just wanted her to know him. And if we would learn to be honest about our moments of weakness and seek to meet others where they are, to introduce them to Jesus, if we would put that in the forefront, then, then maybe the judgment, because the church is on trial. Maybe the judgment and the refusal and the rebellion, the rebellion and the push away of, from the church, maybe that'll be a different story told if we put salvation before our comfort. Salvation before our norms. 
salvation before these other things. If we would put that in the forefront, then just maybe we would do some things and reach more people because they would be searching for Jesus and find salvation instead of looking for Jesus and finding us. The hard truth is this, is that the church must demonstrate empathy. Empathy. Now, I'm going to tell you, empathy is a hard word for me personally. Because at heart, I'm a problem solver. You come to me with an issue, I'm trying to solve the problem. You got a problem, there's a solution. Like, I get that you feel how you feel. I get that you are, you know, whatever, whatever. But I'm, kind of, I'm like, how do we resolve the issue? My wife is working with the kids right now. But if she was in here, she might be running through the aisles. Because she often has to tell me, I didn't ask you to solve anything. When you brought me the problem, you get <laughs> I'm uh, Maybe I'm telling on myself, but this is what it is. You brought me, hey, look, Ron, like, yes, amen. That's what I'm talking about. But empathy is described like this, and this is hard for me. I'm standing before you telling you this is hard for me. The action of understanding, being aware of, being sensitive to, and here's the, here's the problem for me. Vicariously experiencing the feelings, thoughts, and experiences of another. What? I'm supposed to feel? Y'all wait. I'm supposed to feel what somebody else is feeling? I barely feel it for myself when I'm going through something. Seriously. I'm barely feeling for myself. And now I'm supposed to somehow feel and not just embrace, not just acknowledge, but to feel and experience what others Here's Jesus at the well with this woman who don't nobody want to be around, don't nobody want to accept her. They don't care if she live or die. They feel how they feel about her, and they say what they say about her. What you think was going to happen to Jesus? He was going to find himself by himself. But didn't nobody care about him? Wasn't thinking about him? They was going to beat him up. They were going to kill him. He was going to be alienated and isolated. Just like that. And we know that that happens in the future. But at the well, he's recognizing this in her. Wow. And Jesus is the head of the church. Empathy is there is one who empathizes greatly in Jesus. And I think that this trial is certainly interesting because we defend the church. The church is up against accusations of hypocrisy. You ever been called a hypocrite? 
If you haven't seen your face, I bet you have behind your back. But this isn't about the church at all. Or is it? Because as I speak to you, be honest with me. How many of you automatically take the position of what did Jesus do when that's what he's teaching me? Just let a show of hands. We're talking about Jesus and how he's responding to this woman and what he did and how he treated this woman in spite of. How many of you are like, okay, I'm learning this lesson about Jesus. I heard this before and I'm connecting with that. Can I tell you something? For all those who were brave enough to raise their hand and the ones who thought it was a trick question and just didn't. What if you're the woman at the well? What if you're the one who's standing there and feels alone and has felt alone? Didn't have a savior. Didn't know of salvation. Avoided people. Avoiding circumstance. Avoiding conversation. Nobody likes you. Nobody cares about you. They don't care whether you live or die. You half make it to work on time. Nobody notices. Everybody calling you for help. You still got to do the work, like go get all the water from the well. But people treat you like a leper. Can I speak to you today? Jesus sees you. He sees you now. He saw you then. Maybe you ain't had five husbands. Oh, but you had three. Maybe, fellas, you was one of the three. And there's some other woman at the well. What I'm saying to you is the church has to realize that any time Jesus speaks and any time the word of God goes forth, we don't get to pick the side of the hero. Because it's just as much about the hero and the salvation as it is to see yourself in the place of vulnerability. To see yourself with a need. And I don't know how many of you sit here, but I have a need. I have a need on areas like empathy. There's something that I don't understand and I don't necessarily connect with. Well, guess what? That's why I trust God. Because there are going to be times in my life, there are going to be times in my family, in my marriage, there will be times in this church. There will be times out in the world. There will be times in places of work. There will be times in negotiations. There will be times in funerals and grief and mourning. There will be times in celebration where I'm supposed to empathize. There are going to be times where we got to get out there and minister to people who need Jesus. And I'm supposed to empathize. And I can't be caught off guard, unable to feel what Jesus felt. So I don't know what your, 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 what the thorn in your side is. I don't know what the thing that you don't have enough of or the thing that you're missing. But I'm telling you, that's why we trust God. Because it's not, we don't just come to him when we need bills paid. We don't just come to him when we need a new boss. Because the one we got wearing us out and working our nerves. We don't just come to him. We come for the internal things. God, I'm not thinking the way I'm supposed to. I'm not feeling what I feel like you would feel. 
it's, it's something broken in me. It's something missing in me. But Jesus stood at the well and told her, it's already in you. But you got to acknowledge me so that you realize to activate what's already in you. So today, we're not going to do communion. I'm just going to come down to the floor and I would just, I just want to pray at the altar. I want to encourage you wherever you are. Take the front row. Take the platform. Whatever you need to do. But the Lord will not let me go off of this kick of prayer. We have to pray more. We don't pray enough. And this is the truth. Some of us haven't prayed all week. This is the truth. You don't have to raise your hand. I'm not asking you to stand witness to, to this. But be honest with yourself. Are you praying about what you're feeling? Are you praying about what's on the inside? Or is it all transactional? Is it all about the oil, the change oil light that keep coming on? Is it all about the tires that need to be changed? And is it all about the, 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 the air conditioning that just went out? Is it, is it all about that? You got to be honest with yourself. 2 Corinthians 13 tells us to examine, to examine, to examine, to examine, to examine ourselves. It's all about examining yourself. Where are you in your faith journey? You got to ask yourself, test yourself. Where am I in my faith journey? Am I doing what he said? Am I, am I establishing the relationship? Am I being vulnerable at the well so that he can see me in full? Am I giving all of myself to him? That 10th verse in John 4, Jesus replied, if only you knew the gift that God has for you. I'm going to stand up here and tell you the same thing. Somebody in this room needs to understand. If only you knew the gift that God has for you. I'm reminded of a, I remember a birthday years ago when I was a kid. And, I, and the same thing happened with my own kids. They're, you know, six, seven years old. Somebody gives them a birthday present. And they hand them a check. And the kid is like, what is that? Because they got a gift that they didn't understand. And they didn't know that God gave them. If this message challenged you and moved you forward, personally or in faith, we encourage you to share it with someone who needs a message of hope today. And if you're interested or looking for ways to partner with us in our mission here at The Table, head on over to thetablejoliet.org for more information.